It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors get some health. They get an incredible Scotty Barnes performance, but they fall short in Indiana. We will dig into my big takeaways from the game. Talk about how Scotty Barnes at center is unlocking a whole lot of nice possibilities for the Raptors. Plus, we got the good, the bad, and the hmm, as we always do to wrap up Raptors games. It's all coming up on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the bridge of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1312 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, January the 3rd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work by following me on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can also follow the show at Locked On Raptors. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps. And of course, we are on YouTube. You can go check out the video version of the show for free each and every day. Just hit the big red subscribe button over there and you have done a great service to help and support the program. All right, today's show, before we dive into it, is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. All right, on today's show, the Toronto Raptors fall 122-114 to the Indiana Pacers on the road last night. Their one road interruption to a, I believe, 9-10 stretch of games at home. Not the way you want to start out the new year, specifically a new year that is going to be very stressful and sort of pressure-filled in the first month or so ahead of the trade deadline. Lots of decisions still to be made, lots of different elephants in the room to be addressed or ignored or whatever, and they come out and lose this game to the Pacers, despite a really strong start, despite a lot of really good stuff going on in this game as well. You get Precious Achua back in the lineup. We'll talk about him a little bit later on. Fred Van Vliet back in the lineup didn't perform very well. We will get into that as well in the back part of the show. We've got Scotty Barnes on tap, but I just first want to dive into sort of my big takeaway from this game. And frankly, it's that I think the Raptors lost this game you know, to the Pacers, just because the Pacers did what the Raptors do just better. This was a game, strangely enough, where the Raptors kind of had control of things when they were in the half court. The Pacers run a whole lot. They play super small lineups. They're not specifically, you know, geared to stopping teams in the half court necessarily. They are very prone to mismatch hunting and all this stuff, but 
They get out on the run. They forced turnovers. They, you know, made the Raptors uncomfortable in spots. They gave Pascal Siakam a lot of trouble with extra attention, forced a couple of turnovers that were kind of unlike Pascal, and they run down your throats. And the thing that makes the Pacers so good, if you get into a track meet with them, you know, specifically if you're the Raptors, a team that doesn't shoot threes all that well, the Pacers basically play the way the Raptors want to play, just with the addition of a lot of three-point shooting. And so it was a math problem for the Raptors that they couldn't sort out in this one when it did kind of get out and become a track meet. Those were the parts of the game where the Pacers pulled away. There was a lot of encouragement, I thought, in the way the Raptors played in the half court in this game. And yes, part of that is due to the fact that the Pacers weren't really equipped to guard Toronto in the half court at all. Um, you know, they were, well, we'll talk about the way they approached Scotty Barnes and just kind of sagging off of him. Um, but there were a lot of, there's a lot of space to exploit, a lot of pretty good shots to be had for the Raptors in this one. And when things bogged down, it became sort of a slow pace it out, you know, half court for half court type of game. I thought the Raptors looked like they were pretty much in firm control of this one. And it's a shame that they uh, they ended up losing the rope. And the reason they lose the rope in this one is because, frankly, uh, their starters were exhausted. Once again, we see the issues of the overextension of the starters. And look, you know, on it, on its own, you know, a 40-minute game here and there for Pascal Siakam, I don't think is all that big a problem. I think he manages the minutes pretty well and handles them pretty, you know, capably. But when all of your starters are forced to play like 40 minutes and your bench gives you nothing, a total of seven points, a total of, uh, what is it, one, two, three made shots of the entire bunch, you just, you run out of gas, right? And then there's just not enough to sort of keep up with a team that is trying to run down your throats all the time by the time it rounded out. So once again, I think this game kind of, once again, shed lights on, sheds light on the idea that the Raptors need to shake up their bench mix, bench mix and try to make a trade of some kind. Um, and, you know, kind of it just reinforces all the problems that we kind of know were already there. But mixed in were some pretty encouraging signs. And I don't know. Look, I know everyone kind of wants me to come on the show every day and just like get mad and get angry and sort of, you know, call for the rebuild and all of this stuff. And like, that's just not going to happen. That's not really how I engage with the sport necessarily. I also just can't get all that broken up about this particular game. Every loss right now feels really heavy because they're still not too far removed from a six game losing streak that lost them a lot of ground and it sucks. And every loss feels heavy and it feels like they're losing grip you know, look at the standings. It's still pretty clustered, and a lot of the teams in front of them are not exactly uh, blowing the doors off either. The, you know, the Wizards are doing their thing, but the Wizards will stop doing their thing and do their normal thing and lose a bunch of games, I'm, I'm sure, very soon. Uh, you know, the Hawks are losing games all over the place. The Bulls aren't exactly any great shakes. Like, there's, there's, it's not exactly a race that the Raptors are losing touch in, even with these losses. And sort of bigger picture-wise, I, I just... I'm having a really hard time with the way this season's kind of being enjoyed or not enjoyed by everybody. And it just seems like every loss is met with this meltdown mentality. And, oh, my God, Fred Van Vliet is the worst basketball player to ever play. And look, there are issues with Fred. We will talk about them. We can get into them here. You know, there's going to be a question or sort of a decision to be made here before the deadline about Fred Van Vliet. And that's an unfortunate reality of this team. But I feel as though... A lot of good stuff is kind of being missed or selectively forgotten because of the sort of lack of patience, the the urge for every result to be positive and in your favor. And this is just, I feel like the fan base has maybe lost a little touch with how this all works. Like, fandom is not an instant gratification 
type of deal that you make with the teams you root for. There are going to be times where it doesn't work out, where things, you know, improve or develop more slowly than you anticipated. And in the urge to get to the end point, you kind of miss a lot of the fun stuff along the way. And like Scotty Barnes's game last night's a perfect example. 23-8-8. Eight and eight. We're going to get more into why he was so effective in the next segment, but it's just that's cool that's entertaining i had a great time watching scotty barnes play last night there's joy to be derived from a team that doesn't have a 60 win title or you know contention ceiling and let's be honest this was never supposed to be a title contention season any suggestions to the contrary are revisionist i thought the team would probably overachieve and, and be you know kind of in the 50 win mix but I didn't think they were going to win a championship this season. That was never the stated plan. As much as there wasn't a stated plan from the front office, they certainly didn't go out and say, we're trying to win a chip this year. That's just not how they approached the season. This season was about figuring out which guys are your guys for the long haul for the Scotty and Pascal era. And it's disappointing, certainly, that it seems as though fewer guys figure to be part of those long-term plans than maybe we expected to start the season. You know, it's Scotty, it's Pascal, it's OG, I think, are the three ironclad guys. I think I could hear an argument for Precious Achua, despite us not seeing him a whole lot and all of that. You know, it sucks that Fred Van Vliet has had the season he's had and sort of forced them into this corner where they might have to trade him for depreciated value before the deadline just to avoid losing him for nothing in the offseason or risk paying him a big healthy sum for his next contract. And if you think his physical health is not there, then maybe that's not the thing you want to do. Either way, there's fun, interesting stuff happening with a lot of the players on this team. And the baseline is still pretty high. You have Scotty Barnes playing really well of late. You have Pascal Siakam walking in, even on sort of off nights like he had last night, still walking into 26-7-7 on efficient shooting. Like, OG Ananobi's playing all defense-level defense. There are things to be gleaned from this season that are not just doom and gloom, blow it up type things. And, and, and I just, a game like last night where they lose because the less good players weren't very good is not the type of game where I'm just going to throw my, you know, throw a hissy fit or anything like that over. You know, it might leave you disappointed. Maybe you, you know, you, you're sitting there like, well, this should be a contention season. This should be all about maximizing the ceiling right now. And it's just, that's not how it works, man. It, it, it takes more time than that. It's it, it's a more of a process, clearly, than we thought it was going to be with this team. But there's there's joy to be found in that process as well. The other thing, too, is that, you know, the, the way this the standings are shaking out, the Raptors are probably at this rate not going to make that six seed. There's a chance they go on a run, of course, but losing to the Pacers last night was a big one. They lose the tiebreaker, I believe, with the Pacers. They're, they're now four and a half games ahead. That's not insurmountable necessarily, but it's a lot of gra ground to gain with a lot of teams to pass. And you might be sitting there saying, well, play in for what? Who cares? You can't make the six seed. Let's just tank it down. And like, no, there is value in the 45 regular season games that remain to see what you have in Scotty Barnes, see what you have in some of your other bench pieces to see if there are more guys who you can go to war with in the future on the roster, guys you haven't unearthed yet, guys whose capabilities you haven't sort of fully fleshed out. Um, you know, that's, that's part of it. There's also getting into the play-in and having the chance at playoff reps. That's important. That's a thing to be striven for. And I, I feel as though that's kind of being forgotten here or just sort of dismissed as like an important element. You have Pascal Siakam, who you want to keep happy. He's a fantastic player. He's the type of player you, in theory, tank to get. 
you don't want to piss that guy off either. You don't want to force him to have to sit out games or, um, you know, potentially jeopardize his all NBA case by season's end and all of this and, you know, jeopardize his potential supermax. It's a lot of things to keep this season interesting and engaging and to keep it going. And for me, with the way the team is set up, with the way the standings are shaking out, with the way I feel like there's a few teams that are still going to completely have the bottom fall in on them, whether it's the Bulls, I still don't think the Pacers are sustainable for an entire season with the way that they can't quite defend in the half court and, and all that. But, you know, they obviously are keeping it going right now. Tyrese Halliburton's awesome, blah, 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 blah. But the Hawks are, are, are not any great shakes. They could do some some moving and shaking. The Knicks, I still am not totally convinced of. You have the Lakers in the West, the Wolves in the West, these teams that are kind of tumbling down the standings. And to me right now, it's sort of uh, the Raptors can go and push for a plane and still not be all that worried about them losing out on like some crazy high lottery odds or anything like that. It feels right now like they're going to finish somewhere between 9th and 16th in the draft order. And to me, the difference between 9th and 16th in the draft order is not enough for me to want to just punt the season. And I kind of just think, push as hard as you can. You have good players. Obviously, they have to make some adjustments here. They got to make some moves. They have to flush out this roster in some way, whether it's trading Fred for a few pieces or, you know, whatever it might be, giving some new guys deep in the bench some, some opportunity, Jeff Doughton, someone like that. There's got to be a push here of some kind to play meaningful basketball is kind of what I'm getting at here. And as much as that's maybe disappointing that fighting to be 42 and 40 and making the play in is maybe what this season's going to be about. I still think that's a very worthy thing to try to pursue because there's a lot of value to that stuff that there's like tangible value to guys getting real experience, not playing under a condition of you know, punting away a second of three seasons just because the winds aren't falling the way you want them to fall. This team still has a lot of good to offer. We saw it last night in, in that Pacers game. There was a lot to really like. And for me, this still, even if maybe the, the higher ambitions are maybe off the table at this point, there's still plenty of reason to actually try the remainder of the year. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how that kind of plays out. We will talk about a guy who I think is going to be the reason to watch the Raptors, one of the reasons to watch the Raptors going forward here uh, in just one second. It's Scotty Barnes. We'll talk about him um, and, you know, continue on with the show here. Before we do that, however, I do have to tell you about our good friends over at Prize Picks, who have made daily fantasy sports fun, accessible, very, very easy, and it's going to free you from the rigors of season-long fantasy sports, I swear. I don't like season-long fantasy sports. I've completely retired from the game this year, and I'm very much happier for it, and Prize Picks is a great way to scratch that itch if you are like me and no longer playing season-long fantasy Basically, each night you pick two to six players and see if they will go over or, or get more or less, that is, than the projection for whatever stat it is, whether it's points, rebounds, assists, touchdowns, it's all on the table because you can go cross sport. And if you win you, with all six of your entries, you can win up to 25 times the money that you put in. That is a fantastic way to go about playing fantasy sports. Again, you get to pick the players you like. You get to pick the sports you like. You don't have to get stuck with players who just fall to you in a draft or anything like that. Super easy, super accessible. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. Safe and fast withdrawals as well. And currently operational in over 30 states in Canada and every province except for Ontario at the moment. Download the PrizePix app. Go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKEDON. That means if you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. It'll just appear in your account. That's a great deal. Don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKEDON at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100 dollars with price picks.
The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day, digging into the Raptors game against the Pacers last night. And uh, let's talk about Scotty Barnes, shall we? Which, you know, uh, this is exciting. I think Scotty Barnes last night had his best game of the season when you factor in both ends of the floor. I, th- I thought he was really, really impressive. It was really encouraging to see for a guy who has spent a lot of this season kind of figuring out where to slot in, where to pick his spots, you know, all of this. It's been a, an up and down rocky road for him. This felt like a game where Scotty Barnes really kind of figured out exactly what his role on this team can be for him to really kind of succeed. And, you know, we've talked about his recent move to playing more center, sort of playing more in the middle of the floor, talked about why I really like that because it forces him into quick decisions. When you're running offense from the top of the key, right? You're you're waiting for screens. You're sort of letting the defense develop. You're plotting. And I feel like almost Scotty Barnes can kind of like overthink what the next read is sometimes there. Um, You know, he's obviously great when he decides to just go and attack the basket because he's really hard to contain in that regard. But um, I do feel like him just sort of creating creating from the, the sort of typical spots in which you create is still a bit of a work in progress for him. Whereas when he's in the middle of the floor, things are fast. The defense is rotating. He's got to make quick decisions because the defense is closing in. And I, I just feel like it's worked really nicely. And last night, I think, was the greatest example of this. It was a little rocky in the early part of this game on offense for Scotty Barnes, just because Miles Turner was not guarding him at all. There was just acres and acres of space between him and Barnes. And I think Barnes was like a little confused about like what to do with that space. It still led to a lot of great looks for the Raptors in the first quarter. They had a pretty good offensive showing. They, you know, were getting a lot of wide open threes. Scotty was assisting on a lot of those. And he was, you know, obviously working the dribble handoff game, things like that, and then kind of working in that middle zone of of the offense where you know, he's able to kind of make reads. He can see the whole floor from that spot. He's able to find guys, um, you know, not perfect all the time or anything like that. And again, it looked clunky early on as he was kind of getting accustomed to having all this space in front of him with Miles Turner not really worrying about him. But eventually, as the game went along, they ran him in a bunch of screening actions. He was the screener for Pascal, for Fred, for Gary Trent Jr. Even in crunch time, it was Paz- Scotty and Gary Trent Jr. working pick and roll actions, which was really fun to see. Um, and, and I just feel like we saw a lot with Scotty in terms of you know just like the comfort that he's feeling in that more sort of simplified role but it's a role that while simplified kind of opens up all sorts of avenues for him to be a great creator to be a guy who can go and score over a Miles Turner or whomever and I just it seems like he's kind of found his comfort zone on offense here and it's really great to see I hope they could keep on rolling it out it's worth noting as well that the Raptors starting five reunited in this game for the first time I believe since the second game of the season the original starting five Fred Van Vliet Gary Trent Jr. OG Siakam and Barnes uh, and look the, the numbers for that lineup have never been incredible they were pretty awesome last night and they've gotten some little, a little bit of time here over the last few games, like 29 minutes in the last three games the lineups played together. And they've brought their season-long net rating up to a plus 2.9 in 133 minutes. And that's not a lot of minutes. 
It's the most used Raptors lineup, though. It's the most we have to go on. And for a lineup that has struggled to kind of break even for two years now, really good to see some progress, you know, in that regard from that group. And I think Scotty kind of opening things up as the center, it really is what's making that tick right now. And there's a lot of offensive options. If Fred Van Vliet could simply regress back to the mean, that would be swell because it'll, it'll make it even more potent. But that lineup is viable to me right now. And it's also viable because Scotty's playing his ass off on the defensive end when he's in that sort of at the rim, rim protector center mode. Last night, really good stuff from him defending in pick and roll, defending Miles Turner when he was kind of going to work and doing his thing. Um, you know, the Pacers last night, under 50% inside six feet with Scotty Barnes was the closest defender. Uh, six of 13, they go with Scotty defending the rim last night. Um, you know, Miles Turner on a couple occasions. There was one instance where it was probably like the most exciting where Tyrese Halliburton comes around a screen. You know, Fred kind of gets caught up on the screen a little bit. Scotty's playing at like a medium drop, I think it was, and forces a really, really tough Halliburton floater, gets the rebound. Um, that was really encouraging to see the sort of the control, the understanding of sort of where to be to contest the shot, to force something really difficult out of a guy in Halliburton who's made a habit of uh, getting to the rim and, and you know, sort of acrobatic finishes and all this stuff. It, it was just really good. It really, really liked Scotty Barnes's defensive effort, the, the action on the glass for him, really impressive as well. You know, getting the offense kickstarted by grabbing and going, you know, leak ahead passes, etc. Really, really good stuff from Scotty Barnes. I do think his best game so far this season. And we've said that about Scotty a few times in the last few weeks here. Oh, that's the best game he's played. Oh, that's the best game he's played. To me, he's kind of coming out of whatever funk he was in. And, you know, credit Nick Nurse for... I think recognizing that Scotty's most comfortable in this spot right now. And I, I think he's sort of, as a player, he feels like this is an innate role for him to op occupy right now, where he can be the connector. He's the connective tissue. He's the guy that kind of gets things greased and moving. You know, he's kind of playing like a Lamar Odom style role at the moment, which I know was a comparison for him coming out of the draft. Um, you know, he's going to become a better player than that, a more sort of over all-encompassing player, I would assume, down the line. But right now, uh, really good stuff from Scotty Barnes to sort of occupy this connector, super-duper connector, really, kind of role. And, uh, you know, he's looking for his shots when they're there. He's taking over games when he wants to. Uh, you know, this is why I'm just never going to quit Scotty Barnes, man. As much as the downs this season have been pretty low, there have been some pretty deep nadirs, I, I, I think, overall, the peaks are still so high and the best of Scotty Barnes is still breathtaking enough for me to be pretty bullish on where things are headed with him down the line. Uh, and right now in sort of a, a, it's not even a diminished role. It's just a different sort of less creation forward role, but it's in fact, I think kind of opening up a lot of the things that Scotty Barnes does really well and kind of thrives off of. He feels like he has joy again because he gets to pass the ball around and kind of be that dude who sets dudes up. I think that's a thing he really kind of gets off on. And I think that's great. That's awesome. Um, put him in a spot where he's going to be happy, help him weaponize the, the space that teams are going to give him if they're not going to you know, let him shoot. He's a guy who can kind of plunge into that space and make stuff happen in a way that maybe some other guys who, you know, he's not Tony Allen out there, just kind of not getting guarded and not doing anything. You give him room to operate. You give him work, room to run dribble handoffs, stuff like that. Things are going to go pretty well. Maybe has to be a little more aggressive looking for a shot in those situations. But for now, I think a, a really nice stuff, really nice performance, a plus 16 as well, 23, eight and eight. Love what you saw from Scotty Barnes last night. Again, his best game of the season when you compass both 
both ends of the floor. We're going to come back on the other side, get to the good, the bad, and the hmm from the game against the Pacers to round things out. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro and college football uh, to the NBA to soccer overseas you know the the european leagues are starting back up after the world cup maybe you're getting yourself back into the beautiful game as a lot of people do sort of spearheaded by the uh the world cup and uh, if you want to do that you want to be the informed wager know who to put your money down know who to not bet on bet online is the way for you to do that they're going to help you make you the informed wagerer so you're not just throwing your money away on bets that ain't going to cash if you also love sports podcasts, they have them at Bet Online as well for you to always be in the know and up to date on the trends and why the odds and lines are being set the way they are. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online is where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, rounding up the show here with the good, the bad, and the hmm, the way we round out every Raptors recap podcast. And uh, we'll start with the good. For me, the good in this one, pretty clearly, Gary Trent Jr. And, you know, in, in sort of a bigger sort of scope the gary trent jr pascal siakam duo is really really great to watch right now trent of course leads the way last night 32 points for the raptors uh his second straight 30 point game his fourth straight 20 plus point game really finding a nice groove uh, glad to see him back in the starting five as well the space he offers you know we're, we're seeing again why he has driven raptors offensive performance when he's been on the floor for the better part of the last two years um you know when he's on when he's on a heater his shot readiness is so impressive you know to me i think the highlight play for me End of the third quarter, the Raptors are kind of losing the rope a little bit after having a really great start to the quarter. They take the seven-point lead, going a 13-0 run. It was all looking beautiful, and then things kind of spiral. There's like this clunky section of the game where there's a million fouls, slows it down, and then the Pacers kind of get running and gunning for the last couple minutes of the third. They take a 91-87 lead. And, you know, it was kind of a deflating bucket near the end of the clock. I think there was like 14 seconds left or something in, in the in the quarter when I think it was Matherin went up and scored. And, you know, they come back down the other end and instantly Siakam drives, sees a couple bodies, kicks it to Gary Trent Jr., who's just so ready for the shot. It's beautiful. He's like basically in perfect shooting position as the ball arrives to him. He puts it up. And, and that, I think, was just a really good example of the shot readiness for Gary Trent Jr. right now. And, and again, it's not feeling forced it doesn't feel like he's commandeering the offense at all he's just kind of letting it all come to him within the flow and it's been awesome to see uh Gary Trent Jr. is your good the Siakam Trent duo is really nice and you know we talked about it yesterday and it's it's gonna be a question that I think gets asked all month long ahead of the deadline is Gary Trent Jr. maybe too important to move on from um do you maybe just bite the bolt pay him his next contract and hope it's movable as our pal Vivek Jacob talked about yesterday if you feel like maybe the development stagnated but Gary Trent Jr. is playing the best basketball he's played as a Toronto Raptor of late and it's worth sort of revisiting that conversation I think and I'm sure we'll do that over the course of the entire month uh let's get to the bad 
the bad in this game is the point guard play. I mean, we'll get to Fred in a sec, but should note Malachi Flynn, uh, nine minutes, 0 of 1, hits, uh, you know, get, get, just gets completely demolished in de- on defense in this game, getting just completely guided into screens, getting smushed by dudes. And it's not like the, the Pacers are loaded with guys who are hitting you with monstrous screens, right? There's no, uh, you know, Steven Adams out there for this team. It's a pretty slight, frail team. And Malachi Flynn just getting completely hung up on screens, allowing blow-bys, misses a really, really huge wide-open three opportunity that comes to him on a broken play. Can't knock that, that down. Got benched, I think, pretty quickly as well in his runs both times he hit the floor. Uh, really, really disappointing for Malachi Flynn. A third straight dud for him. And at this point, I mean, don't you just try Jeff Doughton? Like, I, 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 Doughton does good things whenever he comes in, in the, into the game. He's not the proven shooter that Malachi Flynn has kind of shown that he can be when he's on one. And he offers more length, more, I think, defensive punch, ability to get turnover, stuff like that. It, it, it's... I don't know, man. I, I I feel for Flynn. I really do. But also, like, this is the story with Malachi Flynn over his career is he'll get a couple games, look good, and then he can't maintain it for a long enough stretch to keep him a viable long-term rotation, rotation piece. It's tough. And then you have Fred Van Vliet. And I mean, like, this is such a critical month for Fred, for the Raptors, ahead of the deadline. And not the way you want to start, of course. 3 of 12 for Fred. It was great that he got back in the lineup, but, like, if you get a regular shooting night from Fred Van Vliet, if you finally see that regression back to the mean, the wave of positive regression to the mean that we're hoping to see that we are seeing right now with Gary Trent Jr. and OG Ananobi, like this is a different game. And this one, it's a different season if Fred Van Vliet can find himself a heater. And it's tough. They're really going to be sort of at the mercy of the lack of time here, I think the Raptors are, right? You just can't wait and see if Fred Van Vliet is going to come back to form too long here. And if the longer this this three-point shooting stretch goes, where he's now under 33% for the season, the longer this goes, the the more sort of concerning it gets when it comes to, is this something that's just going to continue? Like, if you pay him his next contract, is he going to keep on bricking these threes? And if so, what does that mean? It means it's probably a pretty albatross contract. And I hate, 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 hate talking about this stuff in the terms of guys and what their contracts are going to be. It's a reality of the NBA, so we have to dig into it. But it's a bummer, man. And I really hate the way the Fred conversation has gone. Like, you can think that it's maybe the the time for the Raptors to move on from Fred without sort of discrediting him as a player in general, because Fred Van Vliet, at his best, is a very good player, is an excellent fit with what the Raptors do, and I frankly think if you were just to go and get, like, a center to add to the mix, keep Fred, and sort of roll forward with that, it's still probably a very good team that figures itself out, but... At some point here, before the deadline, the Raptors might be kind of forced to make a call here, and maybe it's that you try to, you know, move Fred for a couple of other pieces. You know, a team that comes to mind for me is the Clippers right now, who have a lot of players on the roster, maybe in need of a consolidation trade. It's not going to be sexy, whatever you get back at this point for Fred, I don't think. You, you hope to get a first, and then maybe like a young player you can kind of work on and grow with in some other contracts. You know, a framework to me of like a Terrence Mann and Robert Covington um, and sort of one of the other guys on the on the on the Clippers who makes a substantial sum who's not playing a ton right now, Amir Coffey or someone like that. You know, you bring those guys in, you get the first round pick added and Fred Van Vliet goes back the other way. 
that would be nice, I, I guess. Maybe nicer for the Clippers, I don't know. But it's not just as simple as trade Fred and everything's fixed or trade Fred for, for futures. Like, at this point, it, it's hard to say what his value is going to be around the league. I feel like a contender will still pay a high price for him because he can help a contender right now. He's got the title pedigree, all that stuff. But paying his next contract... The unfortunate reality here is it seems like it might be a bit of a dubious task to, to sort of reckon with. And again, I'm not saying the Raptors shouldn't be the team to consider doing it, right? Like they could just let this go to the summer and decide in the summer, hey, do we just let him walk? Do we use his bird rights to resign him? All of this. Um, do you trade him and trade his bird rights somewhere and assign a trade or whatever? Like it, it, it's it's not an easy call. And as much as people want to make it an easy call, oh, ship Fred off to the sun and it's over. Like, that's just not how it works. That's not how easy it is. It's made a little easier, I suppose, if Gary Trent Jr. is going to play like this and you want to keep him around. But point guard play is important. The Raptors don't have it right now. They lost the game last night in large part because they didn't have much of it, or at least no shooting from their point guards, who that's kind of the, the role they occupy in this team anyway. Um, but yeah, it, it, this is a big month. There's a lot on the line for Fred Van Vliet this month. As unfortunate as, as it is, as much as I still think that positive regression wave is coming at some point, um, you know, this homestand here for Fred, for the Raptors is so critical, man. Like six games, five games, whatever it is, they got to make some ground up here. They have to show that some of the, the issues they've had have in fact been tied to injury or whatever, and they can actually kind of play some real basketball with their full rotation over the next little while here. Not a great start against the Pacers last night, especially for Fred. And it's the question of the month for the Raptors is like, how do they come to a decision with what to do with Fred Van Vliet? Again, at his best, he's incredibly valuable and important to this team. Right now, he's not at his best, and that makes it a lot more complicated. Coming up uh, now, we got the hmm to round up the show. This is more of just like a huh? Just kind of scratching my head. Uh, and, and that's just, I, I think there's got to be a better way to go about this bench rotation for Nick Nurse. Look, you need guys to perform. It's a chicken or egg thing. Do you get guys to perform by giving them opportunity to fail, and then maybe they sort things out? Or do guys just have to perform and be ready to play once they come in? It's hard to figure out, but right now it's not working. You can't have your leading bench player be a returning Precious Achua with 12 minutes of action and three points. You just can't have that. Chris Boucher gets four minutes in this game. I don't think that's enough, frankly. I do think you have to kind of see if you can recapture that Boucher-Achua magic. I almost wonder if you just have to kind of go to what you thought your preseason bench rotation was going to be. You don't have Otto Porter, obviously. He would help things immensely. But if you have Boucher and Achua and Thad Young, and then maybe this is where you get Jeff Doughton worked in, I feel like maybe that's enough to, A, give those guys enough minutes to take some of the minutes burden away from the starters while also having a proper mix of bench players who can give you something. It's just, you know, look, this game was always going to be tough with Precious coming back. It was his first game back. They, you know, they went three and a half minutes with him in the first stint that he had because the Pacers were running it down their throats. He needed the cardio and, uh, you know, was kind of, you know, winded by the time three and a half minutes were up. They're going to get more Precious Achua. There were tons of really promising signs from Precious Achua in this game defensively, even on offense, throwing down a lob. There were a couple times where he just looked very much like a guy who hadn't played in 24 games. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's going to take some time for him to kind of settle back into the flow of things offensively in particular. But we saw the defensive upside there. He should be playing off the bench for sure, obviously. But you need more, and I just think more of these guys might be the play just to give them more time and stagger them strategically. I still think Nick Nurse is having a hard time figuring out 
how to piece together his starters with bench players to make it all work. I really think, you know, we saw, I think, a promising sign last night in the second quarter. Malachi Flynn gets pulled because he played horribly for a four-minute stretch, and Scotty Barnes comes in, and instantly a Scotty, Trent, OG, Thad, and Precious look Kind of had some spunk. It looked like a you know a pretty defensively menacing lineup. You have I think you know well, three of the Raptors' best defenders in that group at least. Um, when you factor in Thad Young, um, you get the creation from Scotty, who's kind of emboldened to go and do stuff. You've got the spacing that Gary Trent Jr. offers and OG offers. Um, you know it's not an amazing lineup. It has to thrive on its def- defensive identity more than anything else. But I do think that was maybe something to grow on, something to build with if you're the Raptors. And then you know Chris Boucher has always played pretty decently next to a Pascal. Siakam, Jeff Doughton, um, you know, maybe you can sprinkle him in as a second guard next to Fred Van Vliet to take some of the burden off of him. I don't know, but I do know that right now the bench rotation is like very perplexing. And I, and I do think Nick Nurse just kind of has to give guys a little bit more run in situations where they're surrounded by good players just to see if you can buy a few extra minutes for your starters, um, you know, in the start of fourth quarters and, you know, the late parts of second or third, or whatever. Like they, they got to. They got to find a way to to sort of rejig this bench rotation and maybe give guys a little more room to fail. Maybe take out a couple guys who are not giving you a whole lot right now. I know Coloco had a couple moments last night, but for the most part, he's still pretty green and, and rocky and, and very inconsistent. Malachi Flynn, maybe it's just not going to happen for him, and maybe it's fallen off here. Um, maybe he gets back and can hit a bunch of threes playing off of Pascal and Fred. I don't know, but. Either way, there's got to be something here. I'm just a little perplexed as to just the the lack of trust in anyone off the bench. Like, just give guys some run to potentially fail with? I I don't know. It's hard. Being a coach is hard. Uh, We're going to wrap it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will round it out, and we'll be back again tomorrow. Katie Heindel is going to pop by for a whatevs Wednesday, and uh, I'm sure there will be lots of... you know, you know, despair and hope and optimism sprinkled in across the show. Not sure what we're going to talk about yet, but we'll see. Um, either way, thank you so much for tuning in and uh, go make your second listen of the day. Locked on Leafs. The Leafs continue to be very good. So go listen to Mike and Dave over there as they break down that season, which is going far better than the Toronto Raptors season is going right now. Uh, boy, <laughs> the Bucks on Wednesday. It'll be fine, right? I mean, the Bucks are struggling. That would be a nice way to kind of turn things around. With that, we will leave you to it and have yourself a wonderful rest of your day. We'll talk to you on Wednesday with another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Lockdown podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.